Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian. Army Hammer. What? I've heard that Army Hammer is also into cannibalism. Oh. <laughs> have you heard that? I have heard that, yeah. yeah. I don't really know what the ins and outs of it um, are, but... So, I mean, like, he was very aggressive to his ex-partners, and as a sexual thing, he was like, I'm gonna eat you. But, but like, like he that's what he wanted? Has he, has he eaten people? Do mm, we know this? No. He's probably tasted something, Maybe though. he is rich. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> what a ruse I played on you, audience. It isn't me, Army Hammer. It's actually Dakota Lawson. <laughs> on this podcast, I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So, if you love history... Or you love eating people... This podcast is for you. We don't eat people here. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> so, Dakota, on today's episode, we will be talking about Angelique and Charlie Mott. I don't know who the hell those people are. No, and neither did I until this TikTok that I was watching. So yeah. it was uh, 31 days of haunted hydrology. And well, it was like... What the hell is hydrology? Water. Water. Just like you're so scared of water. Water. Yeah, and I love water. That's you. Yeah. You're the water scared. I'm the one that's afraid. So water. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this TikTok, I really loved it. I was obsessed. She did like spooky lakes and all these spooky lake stories. Uh, so she. I gave, prefer Ricky Lake. Are you Ricky Lake? Who wants to know? Who wants to? Know? I actually have never seen Ricky Lake. I just know the other day you uh, brought Ricky Lake up, and you're like, "Do you even know what that is?" I'm like, "No, you brought her up." And I said, do you... She? I mean... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I didn't, because I didn't even know what gender this person was. I thought it was a boy. (laughs) All right. Well, anyways, the the Haunted Hydrology lady, she did an episode about these ladies, these people. They're not ladies. One's a lady, one's a man. Um, And I was like, that's really interesting. I would like to know more about it. And then I was like, wow, there's not a lot of information about this, so I don't know what this episode's going to turn out like. Okay. Is this a short one or what? Well, I I made it longer for you. Perfect. My favorite. (laughs) Yes. So sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of Angelique and Charlie Mont. like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So before we start, we're going to remind you about our Clips episode, which is coming up first and fast. What? Yeah, first and fast. It's fast coming and up first furious and fast. is what I meant. <laughs> 
We gotta use the knives. <laughs> uh, so yes, our clip show is coming up, uh, at the end of the year in, wait, two episodes, isn't it? Three. Uh, it's on the 15th. Okay. I so think. The 15th of December Ish. is our clip show. And believe it or not, I've actually started working on it. We are so proud of you here. Yeah. I haven't, all that, that being said, I worked on it one day and then it's been like a couple weeks and I haven't done anything else on it. But, but that's something. I started and I'm actually proud of it. Oh. Uh, well, I think it's, I think it's going to be silly and funny and I get to write jokes and stuff like that, which I love doing, yeah. as you all know. So yeah, look forward to that. Yeah. So please write in with uh, any comments, things you'd like to hear us say on the podcast. We will absolutely say things that you tell us to. Yeah. This sounds like we're, <laughs> we're doing like a, um, what's that cameo? App? Yeah. Ooh, maybe one day we'll get a, uh, get to start a cameo and i will say anything for money you probably and would anything creepy <laughs> um but yeah so you can email us at the reluctant historian at gmail.com or you can talk to dakota on our socials at the reluctant historian podcast on facebook or the reluctant historian on instagram perfect so yeah please hit us up we sound desperate oh we are <laughs> <laughs> Desperation is my middle name. <laughs> Go to Desperation Lawson. Close. They, it's like that song, you know, um, I, I think it's on TikTok. It's like, Desperado. That's you, Rihanna. Is it? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know the, the latest music, but instead of... That's da- an old Rihanna song. I don't know. I've, uh, I've been you just don't know it. Rihanna, do you? Not not like I used to. Uh, <laughs> but instead of Desperado, it's Desperation. That's Dakota. You know, that's me. Yeah. What's your golden nugget? So I'm going to keep this short and sweet, just because people don't give a shit. Uh, yes, they do. No, no, no. About what I'm about to talk about. Oh, got about. it. Okay. <laughs> they like the Golden Nuggets, presumably. I don't actually know. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, the new Pokemon remake came out. Right. So henceforth, people don't give a shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it came out, and it's pretty good. I'm not like amazed by it yet but it's still pretty good isn't this your favorite pokemon game it is that's why there's such a high bar so Mm. it's a remake of the game that i put in i put in 300 hours to pokemon platinum the most i've to this day ever put into a video game there wasn't even that much content to make it worth doing 300 hours of but at the time that's all i had to play and it was so good Mm. so anyways i'm playing through that i'm really liking it i'm hoping it elevates to love we'll see Pokemon, honestly, November, uh, besides my lovely wife's birthday, November is my favorite time of year because new Pokemon games come out. Wow. Almost yearly, so. That's great for you. It is. I spend a lot of money on Pokemon. And me. And you. Hey! I spend more money on you than Pokemon. (laughs) As it should be. Oh, I was going to say it should be the other way around. Excuse you? Excuse you? So what's your golden nugget? Oh man, I have so many. Oh good. Well, what, so last what's weekend, first? last weekend we celebrated my birthday. Yeah, it was great. That's why we took a took the weekend off and we went to Regina and we played board games with my family and it was mm-hmm. so much fun. We played this game called Mind the Gap, which is like trivia pursuit but better because it's got like all these questions for different generations. So we played Boomers, my parents, against Millennials, me and Dakota and my sister. And we, it was such a close game, but we won, thank goodness, because I would not have been happy. (laughs) But we just had so much fun playing it. And then we played this game called The Donner Party, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, which uh, uh, I I highly recommend to all you cannibals out there. Yeah, it's a really good game. It's it's quick. It's like you have to find the cannibal um, and try not to get eaten by them. And it's kind of like a like a werewolf game or like a there's a murderer in the house. Yeah, game. You, it's very like I'm not great at it because you have to if you're the cannibal, which I was one time. You have to pretend that you're not the cannibal and try to convince people that the other person is the cannibal. And I just. Even when people, even when I wasn't the cannibal, people would be like, I think it's Dakota, and a big smile would come on my <laughs> face, because I can't hide. Even though I wasn't trying to bluff or anything like that, I was still, uh, I'm just bad at lying. Yeah. And, yeah, but it was, it was really fun and quick, yeah. so. My dad and my mom were actually both surprisingly very good at being sneaky sneaks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. They really were. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that was one golden nugget. Oh, and then we went to the spa. We went to Moose Jaw, and that was really nice. And we ate at Deja Vu, and that's just a lovely weekend. Yeah, Deja Vu is a restaurant that they primarily do chicken and milkshakes, and not chicken in the milkshakes. Well, you could if you wanted to. Uh, well, anyway, you do dip your fries in milkshakes, so, so only in strawberry ones. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, but you dipped it in? Oh no, mine was a strawberry cheesecake, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's good that I got that kind then. Uh, wait, what is it about other milkshakes that you don't want to do? Well, vanilla would be okay, but chocolate would be weird. Why? Because it's chocolate. That's not an answer. (laughs) Well, I I don't know. It just doesn't taste right. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, they have about, like, 50 or so different milkshakes and the same amount of, uh, sauces to put on your chicken, and it's incredible. It was on, if you've ever seen the show, You've Gotta Eat Here, it was on the Canadian version of that. Yeah. And uh, so I recommend if you're ever in Moostra, Saskatchewan, Deja Vu, plug, plug, not sponsored. Yeah. So that those are my, that's my first. And then this week we went and visited your sister and I got my nails did. Yeah. For the first time in forever. Yes. And I, I actually surprisingly like them. I know. I was I, very surprised you like them. You don't like nails. No, I usually hate them. Anything to do with on your nails other than a clear coat. I know, like, even if I just was like, I'm going to paint them red, he's like, bleh, bleh. Yeah, like, I just, like, uh, I just, they, they gross me out. It's mm, weird. It I don't is, know. It is very weird. Yeah, but. but yeah, so same, with, nice. same with lipstick. I just don't. I know. I just don't jive, you know? Yeah, you're, oh, well, I don't know. I got nothing. And you don't really like makeup either. Not a lot. Like, like, yeah, makeup's fine. Like, my good. daily makeup is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not like, you know, I don't want you to cake it on. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really nice. We got to spend a number of hours with her. Yeah. Out. Well, uh, the other thing is, though, that we started at about 7, and I was like, what is this going to take? Like, maybe three hours? Okay, we'll be home by 10.30. No, we were home at midnight. Yeah, poor baby. I, I was like, I wanted to die by the end. I was like, I'm so yeah, tired. Yeah, you were grumpy. <laughs> so. But, I mean, I was saying, I was like, it's so nice. Like, your sister's just so happy, which yeah, is awesome. It is. Uh, she found a creative outlet that she really likes, which I really like because she was like... She's such an amazing artist, so... Don't cry, Teresa. Yeah, don't cry. She listens <laughs> just, to this show. pumping so your tires. Gonna, um, I fluff her butt. Um, <laughs> but she's such an amazing artist, and, you know, she didn't carry on with that, which is fine. I would, I would love to see more paintings from her, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she... Well, she's painting my nails. Well, well, so th- these are just, these are ombre, which is cool, but um, she's going to do like designs on the next one. So she yeah. is going to keep painting. That's true. So it's cool to see her find a creative outlet. Yeah, it's super cool. Okay, we're done fluffing your butt. Um, My last golden nugget is that we set up half of our Christmas decorations yesterday. 
Yes. Now, it's also a little bit of a lump of coal, because it's weird. Now, I don't know, listeners, what happens. I love Christmas. I love putting up my Christmas decorations. But the past two years, I get into it, and I start doing it, and then I always have a sadness afterwards. Keep in mind, I've only been around for a couple of years, so I think it might be me. <laughs> yes. So part of it, I don't know if this is the case or not, but I, I get so hype for it. And Dakota is the antithesis of hype. And so I feel like I just, I, I get sad because I feel like I would like him to share. You make it sound like I'm just not hype in general. Over Christmas decorations, yeah, you like, I'm not hype. Yeah. I get hype about a lot of stuff. But decorating Christmas doesn't do it for me, and I try. He does. I did like this year. I I tried to make the effort to like really go at it. I put on Christmas music. I fucking hate Christmas. I know music. you did such a good job trying, and I, and that's what I said. I was like, it's not a you thing. It's a weird me thing. Well, I think you maybe just overhype it. Like this is going to be the perfect day. Maybe. And then it ends up not being the perfect day because after a couple hours, I get tired. <laughs> that's fair. So. Yeah, but now the decorations are up and they look beautiful and I'm super yeah. happy. So Yeah, I uh, posted on our story yesterday a picture of the tree. I saw that. And uh yeah, it looks great. Today we're going to do the basement because we have two trees. Yes. And a third little one in the uh bedroom. Yep. She wants a fourth tree <laughs> for uh our sunroom. It's going to be pink. It's going to be pink and, you know, a a tree in every room. Yes. Is the goal apparently. Yes. Not the bathroom, that's just stupid. Yeah, that's just stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this episode is probably going to be a little bit different than one we've done in the past. Um, I tried really hard to find sources about this uh, event that happened, and there's literally one record of this event, okay. and it comes from Angelique's point of view. So she was um, recorded saying uh, her her like retelling what had happened, and so mm-hmm. that's the only surviving record of this event, yeah. uh, which makes it a little bit difficult to do research on this topic because there's nothing else that I can pull from except for her stories. But at the same time, it also makes it easier because you can just go to one website. <laughs> like, well, this is all the information. Yeah. Well, I what I hate about research is that I have to go all the fucking place all over the That's internet. That's my favorite part about research. It's like, ah, oh, I just want to play Pokemon instead. Fuck. <laughs> so, which is what I love about doing the clip show episode is that i don't have to do any research i just get to write jokes essentially. that's fair that's so. good yeah so this episode is going to be different because i'm going to tell you about the island where this event took place and then the rest of it's just going to be her telling her story so it's going to be actually angelique's words and i'm going to be reading them to you can we trust her though i would hope so i think she's a reliable narrator well we'll see yes so Anyways, this story takes place on Isle Royale in the waters of Lake Superior in present-day Michigan. Isle Royale is 72 kilometers long and 14 kilometers wide. It's pretty small. 72 kilometers is from here to Keniston. Yeah, for all you uh, Saskatchewan listeners, <laughs> I guess you'll get that. <laughs> but and also, also, our American listeners will be like, what is a kilometer? <laughs> it's 100. We, we speak it's in 1, miles. 000, it's 1,000 meters. For listeners. Meters? I thought they talked in miles. Oh, they talking meters too? No, they talk in miles, but a kilometer is actually a thousand meters. Yeah, but how is that going to help out <laughs> our American listeners? Google. Okay, so you're going to want to take how many kilometers? 1,000. 1,000. Put that into Google. What does that translate to miles? And you'll get it. Good job. Or you won't care that much and we're 
dragging this section out a little bit too much. Continue. <laughs> Uh, but it is actually the fourth largest lake island in the world. And yeah. a lake island being a landmass within a lake. Just in case you didn't know what a lake island was. I don't know why I decided I had to define that. Sorry, it's a landmass in a lake. Yes. So an island. In a lake. Yeah. A lake island is an island in a lake. Yes. Don't ask me why I defined that. You're just trying to stretch this out because <laughs> you only had one source. Yeah. <laughs> Ile Royale is the largest natural island in Lake Superior. It was established as a national park on April 3rd, 1940, then was additionally protected from development on the land by a wilderness area designation in 1976 and was declared a UNESCO International Biosphere Reserve in 1980. A An island can be a national park? Yeah. That's pretty cool. We can go here. Cool. Yeah. Will we find Yogi Bear? Maybe. Finally, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 2019, and it's recorded as a mining traditional cultural property. Oh, wait. <clears throat> and it is regarded as a Minnong traditional cultural property. Minnong is the traditional Ojibwe name for Eel Royale. Eel Royale? It's, yeah, Isle Royale. I don't know why I keep saying Eel. It's Isle Royale. Isle Royale. I think you're mixing up your words a little bit here today. <laughs> Probably. So yeah, I, I, I don't know if you're going to cut this part out, but you did... Uh, instead of minyong, you called it mining. I know it did. <laughs> uh, that's, like, that's such a, like, uh, just a North American way of saying it. Ah, mining. Well, mining <laughs> has to do with the story. Oh, so okay. I got- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ile Royale is within 25 kilometers from the shore of Ontario. There are no roads on the island, and wheeled vehicles or devices other than wheelchairs are not permitted. Summers here are mild, while winters can get close to an average of minus 20, so it's not worse than a Saskatchewan winter. The island was a common hunting ground for the indigenous people from around the area, including present-day Minnesota and Ontario. A canoe voyage of 13 miles is necessary to reach the island's west end from the mainland. There, I used miles for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Large quantities of copper artifacts have been found here that indicate indigenous settlements, which is important to the coming story, the copper part. And some of these artifacts date back to 3000 BCE. The copper was most likely mined on Ile Royale and the nearby Kiwina Peninsula. The island has hundreds of pits and trenches that can be up to 65 feet deep, which were again left by the indigenous peoples. In these trenches, carbon-14 testing of wood remains found in some of the copper artifacts indicate that they are at least 6,500 years old. All this to say that the indigenous groups of this area have been on Ile Royale for a long time. Ile Royale was given to the United States by the 1783 Treaty with Great Britain, which is a little bit sus. <laughs> wow, how uh, modern of you to use the word sus. Trying to be a Gen Z over here? Yes. Do they use that word still? They do. Oh, okay. Because as I just stated, the land really belonged to the indigenous groups. But remember, colonizers didn't really recognize indigenous people as real people with true claims to the land. Well, colonizers gonna colonize, as they say. The British remained in control of the island until the War of 1812, and during this time, the Ojibwa peoples considered their land to be theirs. They did, however, cede the island to the U.S. in 1842. Now, to the copper. Ooh, <laughs> the best part! <laughs> I've been waiting for this. <laughs> Tell me about it. It is estimated that over 750,000 tons of copper has been mined from the region. That's a lot of copper. That is. That's a lot of pennies? Right. You can use it for pennies, in, like, electricity, oh, making yes. drinking glasses out of. They're going to be able to hook up so many subwoofers. 
Prospecting or looking for this copper began in earnest in 1843 when the Chippewa relinquished their claims to the island. In the mid 1840s, a report by Douglas Houghton, Michigan's first state geologist, set off a copper boom in the state of Michigan, and the first modern copper mines were opened on the island. Evidence of the earlier mining efforts was everywhere, in the form of many stone hammers, some copper artifacts, and places where copper had been partially worked out of the rock but left in place. The ancient pits and trenches led to the discovery of the many copper deposits that were mined in the 19th century. The remoteness of the island, combined with the small veins of copper, caused most of the 19th century mines to fail quickly. Between the miners and commercial loggers, most of the island was deforested during the late 19th century. Because numerous small islands surround Ile Royale, ships were once guided through the area by lighthouses, and the western tip of the island is home to several shipwrecks that are very popular with scuba divers. The area's notoriously harsh weather, dramatic underwater topography, and the cold, fresh water have resulted in largely intact, well-preserved wrecks throughout the park. So, what about Angelique and Charlie Mott? What about them? Next to Carper, this is the most interesting part of this. <laughs> this is what the real story is about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this story about them? I wrote that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really sticking to that script, hey? <laughs> well, yes it is. <laughs> just imagine like i'm glad you aren't this way but just imagine if you were even stricter on your script where anything i respond to you don't even have a response to i'm just like i ask a question and you're like you just continue the script <laughs> i'm so glad you asked <laughs> and now that you have some background about the island i can tell you about their story and how they relate to il royale in 1845, an Ojibwe woman named Angelique and her voyager husband, Charlie Mott, were left on Ile Royale as mining hires for Cyrus Mendenhall and the Lake Superior Copper Company. Are you sure it's not Mignon hires? Ma- no. <laughs> now Ma- I have to leave that all in. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> that was my plan all along. Voyagers were 18th and 19th century French Canadians who engaged in the transportation of furs via canoe during the peak of the North American fur trade. They were hired and carried to the island by Mendenhall's schooner, the Algonquin, and were there to first scout for copper veins. Angelique found a large mass of copper ore, and subsequently, she and her husband were hired to stay and guard it until a barge could come to retrieve the ore and them. They were promised that it would take no longer than three months to come back and get them. Oof, that's a long, long wait just to guard that thing. They were dropped off in July, but instead of being picked up in October as promised, they were stranded there until the spring. And that's what our story is about. So, okay, so, sorry, how many months then? So, I believe she was actually picked up in May. So she was there from, well, almost ten months, it sounds like. Oh, God. Now, I might be wrong, it might be March. We'll know once we keep reading. Okay, were they the only people there still? Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, they had been left with minimal provisions, which consisted of half a barrel of flour, six pounds of butter, and some beans. <laughs> wow, I'm going to make a nice stew out of that. <laughs> a supply boat was promised to arrive after the first couple of weeks, but it was never sent out. Mmm, those bastards. Your favorite topic's coming up here, babe. Um, My favorite topic... Well, they're left alone with nothing to eat. (gasps) Really? Well, not actually. Just a a tease. tease me like that. God. And even when I made my army hammer joke, I didn't uh, didn't realize that anything related to cannibalism was coming up in this episode. So it's kismet. 
Angelique and her husband were left alone on this island with no food or supplies, with little to no resources. And the island didn't have much for them either. So here, let me tell you the story of Angelique in her own words. I should do an accent. I ate my husband. I wish I could do an accent, but I can't. Well, I also feel like it might be offensive. (laughs) Well, I would do like a British accent. Oh. Be offensive to the British. Sorry, wait, I thought she was indigenous. She is. But I was going to give her uh, a British accent. Well, I feel like... Somehow that's offensive in its own right, isn't it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> to miss to miss accent her. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do an accent, so I won't. Okay. Well, I'll, um... Ooh, okay. You go. When I and my husband, Charlie Mott, were first married... When I and me and my husband, Charlie Mott, were first married... No. <laughs> no, we're not doing this. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was doing the accent for you. <laughs> we lived in Lapointe in Wisconsin... Mr. Douglas and Mr. Barnard and some other big bugs from Big Bugs. I don't know. I love that. I'm like, is that, that's what she said. Is yeah, big the, bugs. Okay, so this is a lot of just her. This like, is quotations. this is literally her own words. Okay, so none of this is me. These these big old big bugs. <laughs> Not even mistaken with bed bugs. I Michael Kind. Mike, I'm Michael Kind. I want to start calling my bosses big bugs. You should. <laughs> that's what I want my subordinates to call me. <laughs> Uh, from now on, I will have a meeting tomorrow. Um, I shall be, from now on, you shall call me Big Bug. Big Bug Dakota. Big, no, Big Bug. My cocaine. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) All right, anyways, Mr. Douglas and Mr. Barnard and some other Big Bugs from Detroit had come up there on the schooner Algonquin looking for copper. From the point, Charlie and I went over with them on their invitation to Ile Royale. After landing with the rest, I wandered a long way on the beach until I saw something shining in the water. It was a piece of mass copper. When I told the Algonquin people of it, they were very glad and determined at once to locate it. They said if Charlie and I would occupy it for them, Charlie should have $25 a month, and I... Ooh. <laughs> well, this was in 1840-ish, I don't yeah. know. And I $5 a month to cook for him. So she doesn't even get... She's She's getting paid to cook for her husband... But only five dollars a month. Yeah, that's so. That's so. Having agreed to the bargain, we turned to the Sioux to lay in a good supply of provisions. There, I first met Mendenhall, the man who brought us into all this trouble. He said there was no need of carrying provisions so far up the lake and at so heavy of an expense, as he had plenty of provisions at Lapointe. When we got to Lapointe, we found this was not so. All we could get was half a barrel of flour, which we had to borrow from the mission. Six pounds of butter that smelt badly. And was, oh, good. It's not even good quality butter. Yeah. And was white like lard and a few beans. A few? Yes. Oh, I thought it would be like a lot of beans, but... I didn't want to go to the island until we had something more to live on, and I told Charlie so, but Mendenhall over-persuaded him. He solemnly promised him two things. First, that he would send a bateau, so boat, with provisions in a few weeks, and then at the end of three months, he would be sure to come himself and take us away. So, very much against- Unless I get busy. So, <laughs> very much against my will, we went to Ile Royale on the 1st of July. Having a bark canoe and a net for a while, we lived on fish. But one day, about the end of summer, a storm came and we lost our canoe. Sorry, I'm just thinking about a bark canoe. It's just a canoe that's a dog. <laughs> You're just riding a dog. <laughs> it's just barking the whole way there. Yep. Continue. And soon our net was broken and good for nothing else. Oh, how we watched and watched and watched, but no bateau ever came to supply us with food. 
No vessel ever came to take us away, neither Mendenhall's nor any other. When at last we found that we had been deserted and that we would have to spend the whole winter on the island and that there would be no getting away until spring, I tell you such a thought was hard to bear indeed. Our flour, butter, and beans were gone. We couldn't catch any more fish. Nothing else seemed left to us but sickness, starvation, and death itself. All we could do was eat bark and roots and bitter berries that only seemed to make the hunger worse. Oh, sir. So she's telling this story to a newspaper dude. <laughs> oh, sir. Tell, tell me more. Oh, sir. Hunger. Oh, that's my role. I'm going to play that. I'm going to, I'm the newspaper boy now. Got it. Tell, tell me all about how you eat your husband. I oh. don't see him here today. Oh, sir. Hunger is an awful thing. It eats you up so inside and you feel so all gone as if you must go crazy. If you could only see the holes I made around the cabin in digging for something to eat, you would think it must have been some wild beast. Oh God, what I suffered there that winter from that terrible hunger. Grace helped me. I only wonder how I ever lived through it. Five days before Christmas, for you may be sure we kept account of every day, everything was gone. There was not so much as a single bean. The snow had come down thick and heavy. It was bitter, bitter cold, and everything was frozen hard as stone. We hadn't any snowshoes. We couldn't dig any roots. We drew our belts tighter and tighter, but it was no use. You can't cheat hunger. You can't fill up that inward craving that gnaws within you like a wolf. Uh, very well put. Now, I have a uh, uh, a joke here that I just wrote. This is uh, kind of future projecting because the movie Holes hasn't come out yet. But let's do a sequel to Holes. Let's see if we can get Shia LaBeouf back. Disney's Holes 2, Digging for Food. <laughs> Charlie suffered from it even worse than I did. As he grew weaker and weaker, he lost all heart and courage. Then fever set in. It grew higher and higher until at last he went clear out of his head. One day he sprang up and seized his butcher knife and began to sharpen it on a whetstone. He was tired of being hungry, he said. He would kill a sheep. Something to eat he must have. There were sheep? And then he glared at me. <gasps> no, Charles. As if he thought nobody could read his purpose but himself. <laughs> He's just looking at you, licking his lips like, nobody knows what I'm thinking. <laughs> I saw that I was the sheep he intended to kill and eat. <laughs> because there weren't actually sheep on this <laughs> island. And he's like, she's like, that's weird that you said that. There aren't sheep around. <laughs> all day and all night long, I watched him and kept my eyes on him, not daring to sleep and expecting him to spring upon me at any moment. But at last, I managed to wrest the knife from him, and that danger was over. Rest, like... Like, wrestle it out of his oh. hand. Oh. They fought over it? I guess so. Ooh. I could see you trying to eat me. Yeah, and I could see you wrestling the knife out of my hand and killing me. <laughs> yes. So I'm Angelique, and you're Charlie. Yeah. After the fever fits were gone and he came to himself, he was as kind as ever, and I never thought of telling him what a dreadful thing he tried to do. He's such a, he got, got it's, it's the classic husband when they do something bad and they need to regain forgiveness from their partner. He's like, just being extra sweet now because he's <laughs> like, oh, sorry, I tried to eat you. I tried hard to not have him see me cry as I sat behind him, but sometimes I couldn't help it, as I thought of our hard lot, and I saw him sink away and dry up until there was nothing left of him but skin and bones. At last, he died so easily that, oh. I, that I couldn't tell just when the last breath did leave his body. This was another big trouble. Now that Charlie was dead, what could I do with him? I Eat him. I washed him and laid him out, but I had no coffin for him. How could I bury him when all around it was either rock or frozen ground as hard as rock? and I could not bear to throw him out into the snow. 
For three days, I remained with him in the hut, and it seemed almost like company to me. (laughs) This is, uh, 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 hold on, I'm writing this joke. Um, this is Weekend at Bernie's 3. Uh, what would be the subtitle for this? I don't know. uh, Come back to me, I'll think about this. But I was afraid that if I continued to keep up the fire, he would spoil. (laughs) The only thing I could do was leave him in the hut where I could sometimes see him and go off and build a lodge for myself and take my fire with me. Having sprained my arm in nursing and lifting Charlie, this was very hard work, but I did it at last. I got it. (laughs) Uh, The Weekend of Bernie's. Are you familiar with Weekend of Bernie's? I've never actually seen it. Okay. So I'm a total poser making this joke. But we got Weekend of Bernie's 3, Electric Husbandaloo. Much like Electric Boogaloo? Ah. The listeners will get it. Oh, that fire. You didn't know what company that Azel's, was. Igelbabub uh, I- will get it. Oh, good. Oh, that fire. You didn't know what company that was. It seemed alive, just like a person with you, as if it could almost talk. And many a time, but for its bright and cheerful blaze, that put some spirits in me. I think I would have just died. One time, I made too big a fire and almost burned myself out. But I had plenty of snow handy and so saved what I had built with so much labor and took better care for the future. Then came another big trouble. Ugh, what a trouble it was, the worst trouble of all. You ask me if I wasn't afraid when thus left alone on the island. Oh, hold on. Um, uh, big trouble in Little Island? What is this? Is this the sequel podcast? We're just talking <laughs> about all the sequels. We could also call it Weekend at Bernie's 3, The Squeakquel, just because... Alvin and the Chipmunks has a lot of brand recognition, right? Right now. Yes. In 1885. That's true. Uh, So she's all alone on the island. Not of the things you speak of. Sometimes it would be so light in the north and even way up overhead like a second sunset that the night seemed to turn into day. But I was used to the dancing spirits and was not afraid of them. I was not afraid of the Maki Manido or bad spirit, for I had been brought up better at the mission, and the mission is the church, I had been brought up better at the mission than to believe all the stories that the indigenous people told about him. I believed that there was a Christ and that he would carry me through if I prayed to him. But the thing that most of all I was afraid of and that I had to pray hardest against was this. Sometimes I was so hungry, so very hungry, and the hunger raged so in my veins that I was tempted. Oh, how terribly was I tempted to take Charlie and make soup of him. I knew it was wrong. I felt it was wrong. I didn't want to do it, but someday the fever might come on me as it did on him, and when I came to my senses, I might find myself in the very act of eating him up. Wait, did she eat him? No. Oh. Hold on. We could call this Mission Imcam Cannibalism. Mission Imcannibalism. It's not my best. (laughs) Thank God whatever else I suffered, I was spared that. But I tell you all the other things, that was the thing of which I was most afraid and against which I prayed the most and fought the most hardest. When the dreadful thought came over me, or I wished to die and die quick rather than suffer any longer, and I could do nothing else, then I would pray, and it always seemed to me after praying hard, something would turn up, or I would think of something that I had not thought of before, or have new strength given to me to fight it out still longer. One time in particular, I remember, not long after Charlie's death, and when things were at their very worst, for more than a week I had nothing to eat but bark, and how I prayed that night that the good God would give me something to eat, lest the ever-increasing temptation would come over me at last. The next morning, when I opened the door, I noticed for the first time some rabbit tracks. It almost took away my breath and made my blood run through my veins like fire. In a moment I had torn a lock of hair out of my head, Mm. and I was plaiting strands to make a snare for them. As I said it, I prayed that I might catch a fat one and catch him quick. (laughs) 
That very day I caught one, and so raging hungry was I that I tore off his skin and ate him up raw. Oh my god. <laughs> you that you that freaks you out, but not eating people? Yes. Fuck me. <laughs> That's um Okay, I'm gonna think of a movie title for this one. Okay. Um it keep, was- keep going. It was nearly a week before I caught another, and so it was often for weeks together. The thing seemed so very strange to me that though I had torn half the hair out of my head to make snares, never once during the whole winter did I catch two rabbits at one time. Oh, how heavily did the time hang upon me. It seemed as if the old moon would never wear out and the new one never come. At first I tried to sleep all that I could, but after a while I got into such a state of mind and body that I could scarcely get any sleep night or day. When I sat still for an hour or two, my limbs were so stiff and dried up that it was almost impossible for me to move them at all. I've got it. Peter Rabbit 3. This bitch is crazy. Continue. So at last, like a bear in a cage, I found myself walking all the time. It was easier to walk than to do anything else. When I could do nothing else to relieve my hunger, I would take a pinch of salt. Early in March, I found a canoe that had been cast ashore in which I mended and made fit for use. Part of the sail I cut up and made the strips into a net. Soon, the little birds began to come, and I knew that spring was coming in good earnest. God, indeed, had heard my prayer, and I felt I was saved. Once more, I could see my mother. One morning in May, I had good luck fishing and caught no less than four mullets at one time. Just as I was cooking them for breakfast, I heard a gun, and I fell back almost fainting. Then I heard another gun, and I started to run down to the landing, but my knees gave way and I sank to the ground. Another gun, and I was off to the boat in time to meet the crew when they came ashore. The very first man that landed was Mendelhall. Why, she has words for him, I imagine. And he put up his hand to shake hands with me, which I did. Where's Charlie, said he. I told him he was asleep. Uh He might go up to the hut and see for himself. Then they all ran off together. When Mendenhall went into the hut and he saw that Charlie was dead. The men took off Charlie's clothes and shoes and saw plain enough that I had not killed him, but that he had died of starvation. When I came up, Mendenhall began to cry and to try to explain things. I, just, I, I got really busy, okay? I, I had a golf tournament I had to attend. He said that he had sent off a bateau with provisions, and he didn't see why they didn't get to us. But the boys that he was with told me it was all a lie. Oh, this Mendenhall is a prick. Mm-hmm. I was too glad to get back to my mother to do anything. I thought his own conscience ought to punish him more than I could do. Mm, that's good of her, I guess. I would have killed that asshole. That's fair. And that's the last of her words. Wow. I still have a little bit more to say, but... Okay, okay. So I love that we got to say tell her story in her own words. I thought that was really a really cool part of this whole thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's not plagiarizing at all. It's not. I quoted <laughs> where it came from. Okay. <laughs> Angelique was found in the spring of 1846 when the Algonquin returned and eventually was brought back to her mother. She died at Sault Ste. Marie in 1874, and as stated before, I didn't state this before, so her story is recorded in the book, bu- the book, The Honorable Peter White. Angelique's story has been retold in a novella called Angelique Abandoned by James Stevens, which was eventually turned into a movie called Angelique's Isle, which I think we should watch. Wait, it is a movie? Okay, this ruins what I was about to say in my final. You, we'll talk about it. In modern days, rumors of Charlie Mott's ghost wandering the woods looking for food have been reported. So, Dakota, what do you think? Well, I might just be a big Hollywood executive, 
but I, I didn't know there was already a movie about this. I was gonna say, this has huge movie potential. Three picture deal, I'd give you in. We can call it Big Tribble in Little Island. Peter Rabbit 3, this bitch is crazy. Disney's whole tube, digging for food. We can have Bernie's 3, Electric, Husband of Lou, or The Squeakle. Or Mission Im Cannibalism. Okay? I come from Big Hollywood. We can make a remake. <laughs> Remakes are huge right now, you hear? Now, sign here. It's already been turned into a movie, sweetheart. Remake! <laughs> Remakes are really big right now, but... <clears throat> that was really hard on my voice. Yes, I would enjoy watching that movie. Uh, I thought it was... And it was, it was... The movie is made by an indigenous woman, so I think it'd be really awesome. Very cool. Uh, I... Yeah, I think uh, it was overall pretty interesting. Um... I mean, the the preface to it, uh, I found dreadful. Uh, <laughs> well, I was just trying to fill for time. Okay, well, I mean... It's we're like at... my students when they're, like, trying to make their essay the right length. They're like... Dee, 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 dee. Right. <laughs> yes. And it had relevance. We were learning about copper mines. Yeah, I love learning about copper mignons. Um, anyways, so, yeah, I just I thought it was pretty good. I, I wasn't like... I would have preferred if he, she would have eaten him. You know? Of course you would. But, so that's gonna hold it back a bit. It's not your fault, it's her fault for not eating her husband. That's fair. So, I am going to give this, you're gonna think it's gonna be higher, but it's pretty decent. I'll give it, hmm, hold on. Now, let me just be clear here. You're not actually giving me this score, you're giving the score to Angelique, because (laughs) that's where the story came from. Oh, so I should give her one higher, because she lived through this. Yes. Mm, Well, there is no, uh, no, uh, I will give this 7.5 future Oscar nominations (laughs) out of 10. Okay. I, that's did it. I have no words. <laughs> is that okay? I think it's better than the last two that I got. Like, what did you give me for the year worst year to be alive? Or was that an eight, or was that a six? Might have been a five. <laughs> no, you gave you gave me more than a five. I don't remember. Me neither. Anyways, well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, or tell your friends about us. Indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And for our closing, we actually have a really special guest right now. (laughs) This is so unexpected. I would like to introduce Big Bog Michael (laughs) Kane. So... If you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian or on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast. You can also shoot us. <laughs> this is a lot harder to do it. Uh, I'm just going to break the break the fourth wall a little bit. Uh, I don't actually have Michael Caine right here. It's me just doing a voice. But this is harder to do than uh, for a long period of time other than just saying, I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> But anyways, you can shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to the relaxing historian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week, same time, same place. I get asked a lot, why were you in Jaws 4? The Revenge. I wanted to buy a house. I have never seen the movie. True story, actually. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.